Good morning. You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official untapped podcast. Your weekly look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer. I'm John, and I'm having a great time keeping up with the new format of the show. It's really been humbling and also rewarding to read some of the comments we've seen on iTunes and really the Facebook group as well. Uh, always great to see new posts in there about people asking for advice on traveling and and just socially talking about beer. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so thanks for that, guys. And I'm Harrison, and I'm excited to be here again this week. It's yeah, Echo and John says been great, and uh, just seeing all the response online, and been really enjoying myself doing uh, doing this so far. So excited to be back again for another week and really looking forward to today and the frivolity that is sure to follow, especially with the beers we have lined up. Uh, but first, as a reminder, Drinking Socially is released every other Wednesday morning. It can be found at uh, podcast at untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right. All right. So let's, let's get into these beers, John. What are we, what are we working with this week? We've got well, some big ones. Yeah. We've got a, a, a kind of an impromptu tribute to some of the, uh, I don't know, maybe some of the biggest IPA names yeah. of my earlier years. The OGs. Uh, we're drinking two from Russian River today. We've got Blind Pig and Pliny. Yeah. The uh, Elder. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Maybe we should have waited on that and let the suspense build. <laughs> a version of Pliny. <laughs> the older one, the wiser. No, um, that could be, we'll talk about that. But let's, yeah, we're going to start with, with Blind Pig, which I'm super pumped about. Yep. The reason they started putting beer in cans is just because it sounds a lot more right. exciting when you open yeah, it. Yeah, it does. Can. Yep. We kind of snuck out. There she is. All right, good. Grant. There's oh, beer inside this bottle. Right now, they're about to be in our glasses. So, Blind Pig IPA, that's an IPA uh, from Russian River. And if you don't know, uh, well, I mean, we can do a quick. So, uh, Russian River Brewing Company is one of the, yeah, like, you know, I guess, oh boy, how do I say this in a couple of minutes? Yeah, they're, they've been around for a while. I've been doing this for a long time. Vinny um, is uh, one of the owners, and he's kind of uh, an OG, if you will, in the beer world and the new craft beer world and we're really he's coined a lot of terms we'll talk about today and done a lot of great stuff and you know amazing brewer and but this beer a blind pig ipa american um 6.1 abv about 70 ibus before starting russian river Vinny uh was at a brewery called blind pig brewing and um inspired by the uh, beer that he brewed there uh that's where the name comes from so you know tons of hop character um, and again, about 6% ABV. Vinny was cool enough to, back in 2012, submit a clone recipe of this beer to Zymergy Magazine, which is like the homebrewing magazine. Um, and uh, so in that, he revealed the hops he would use. So this is this could be different. This is back in 2012. Probably hasn't changed that much, and we'll dive in in a minute. But Columbus, Chinook, Cascade, Amarillo, Centennial, Simcoe, just in the boil. That's a huge and build. Like I love tons it. of hop. And like not just one of each, like multiple hop charges. And then he double dry hops it with Cascade, Amarillo, and Simcoe as well. So it's a, yeah, it's a, I mean, so looking at, let's stop talking about it. What am I doing? Cheers. Cheers, John. This is pretty exciting. I just went right in for a taste. I didn't even smell this one. It's oh, been a man. long day, and my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, it's all fading away now. That's it. I mean, that's that's it. That's the, if you write a book about, you don't need to write a book about IPAs. Just drink this beer, and that's all you need to know. I mean, I love this thing. 
and I was fortunate to, as we've alluded to before, work in Philadelphia for a while and live there for a while. And this beer is actually, it's not everywhere, but you can find it often at uh, some of the better beer bars in the city. And it's, I go for it every time. Like, I don't even care if there's something else. This is, this is it. This is awesome. It's certainly exciting to see. I know that uh, we've seen Russian River kind of, uh, well, I won't say taking over, but I've seen a lot of it in Denver very recently mm-hmm. as well. And I mean, when I was first uh, really getting to that point where I'm chasing after craft beer and driving across state lines to go to a new <laughs> bottle shop, uh, like Pliny was always one of those, uh, we'd say a whale, I guess, in the industry. Sure. It's just that if you haven't had Pliny yet, it was on your short list. Yeah. And Blind Pig is still, I think, gets talked about. If you like Pliny, you have to try Blind Pig. It's like that, you know, if you mm-hmm. go into the restaurant and you know the chef, right. ask him for this right. one this as well. This is what all the locals drink all, every night. The, the people travel around the world for Pliny, but the locals go for Blind Pig. Yeah, exactly. It's... uh how many how many different ways can I say awesome? It's just a classic West Coast. It's super fruity, which you get from a lot of those hops, Amarillo especially, but also like the bitterness. Like so, Columbus and Chinook are such high alpha acid hops. Same with Centennial. Like that bitterness is, oh, it's it's awesome. And again, in a, the day and age of New England IPAs, you don't see this every around every corner and how many hop charges. In the homebrew one, it's like, I think it's like 10 in the actual beer during the boil. It's probably even more when he makes it. It's probably, I think it's like every five minutes or so he's doing a new hop charge. But so continuously hopped, which is how pretty much all West Coast IPAs are made. Um, so you get to like enjoy the flavor of the hops, the bitterness of it, also the flavor, the aroma of it. The dry hop helps. There's easily like there's a a, a memory in this beer for me uh, where I'm drinking it, and you know after a year of New England IPAs, right. I'm drinking this beer and I'm reminded of how where clean and refreshing right. and. Uh, I mean, this is a. I mean, it's six percent. It's a. It's a, a single IPA, or uh, right. it's not a double. Thank God, we're not there yet. Right, it's coming up. It's um, but it's it's six percent. It's got enough flavor to crave any of your hop desire. Right, um, and I kind of I, I've, I'm growing to really appreciate. For me, the second time around, seeing West Coast and and uh, a classic IPA. Uh, I, I really appreciate the dry bitterness that mm-hmm. I get from this. Mm-hmm. Um, Flavor-wise, for me, I think Harrison nailed it. Uh, you get all the fruity characters that you would expect to find in mm-hmm. uh, New England. You know, right. it's trending all over right now. I think what sets this beer apart for me is that it has a lot of bittering hops added earlier on, I would presume. Yep. And the finish on this is so much different than what I'd expect from something that, you know, came from know. Uh, the ha- the haze bombs. Right. It always it is fun when you can say a beer is dry. It finishes dry, but it's also fruity, which you'd think would be like opposite experiences, but they coexist in this beer. I mean, a super dry finish that's nicely bitter, but it's also a really fruity, fruity beer. It's, it's uh and all that, of course, just coming from the hops. There's no fruit in here, uh, which is amazing. And it's had a fair amount of – so it's had, Blind Pig has been checked in 192, 192,999 times. So we may – Wow. Tonight, we tip it over. we're going to tip it over to 193 even, or 193.01 probably. But anyway. But um, so 
that's awesome. 2000 this month. Exactly. Yeah, a bunch of different verified venues. Uh, obviously, a lot of them focusing around California, but then you've seen kind of it popping up in Philadelphia and in Colorado, who we're just talking about. One popped in Portland, Maine, not too long ago. I think it's, it is really cool to look at a, a beer like this that isn't so uh, readily available as something like uh, Sierra Nevada or Founders, but even still on Untapped, this beer was checked in five minutes ago as we're recording this. And like Harrison yeah. said, 2,000 times this month. Uh, I think it's uh, even sometimes when I pull something out of my cellar that's three years old or three years older than it should be in right. some cases, right. it's incredible that I'll see someone on Untapped has just recently checked into that beer as well. Yeah, I know, right? That is, that is again, we keep coming back to the community of this app, but it is really cool. Like I'm looking at someone checking in Blind Pig an hour ago at Monk's Cafe, which is in Philadelphia. I used to go there all the time. A bunch of people checked it in there. So clearly it's on tap right now there. Um, I think they actually did a Russian River event not too long ago for Philly Beer Week, which I now guess is more than a month away, but or a month gone. But uh, yeah, all right. So beer has, uh, this beer especially has a lot of memories in it for me. Um, and just, you know, taking me back to, yeah, the glory days of, being a brewer and drinking awesome beer and getting excited about it and following places around town, trying to find where it might be next. This is one of them that, like again, like I said, every time I saw it, I just always chase, it. always chasing or chaseable. And and even if you are, I mean, if you're new to craft beer in the last year or two, there's a, a, a one of the Untapped users checking to Blind Pig recently named Peter. He's in Maine. Um, checking into this at a bar called the King's Head, and and his comment literally just reads a great throwback to when IPAs were bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know whether whether you got introduced in the New England IPA era uh, or you're from the West Coast right. IPA era or older Harrison. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think what you say? <laughs> I, I think it's it's no no matter what the trends are. I think it's always a, a, a freedom or a privilege that we have now, where, where there's more breweries than there's going to be 9,000 breweries in the next year or two yeah, just the in the States. States. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so take advantage of that. You know, there's a, there's more innovation in the brewing world today than, and than in the last Ever. 50 years combined. Sure. And we'll talk about, it's interesting that we chose this beer today. So we're going to have some cool articles we're going to talk about, about kind of, and we keep talking about them a lot, the New England IPA is so kind of the state of them right now. And, Maybe they're pushed the envelope too far, and is there a course correction in store for the beer world with all these overly hopped, crazy, juicy beers? And how how much can you? When is the breaking point? Um, <laughs> what is gonna right? Where when's it gonna the dam's gonna break? And um, people kind of revert back to stuff. So it's really nice to drink this beer, which is very different to pretty much everything that's turning out there. But it obviously, still you know almost two hundred thousand check-ins. I mean. That's just one example of the style. Clearly still, you know, loved and yeah, pumped we have it. Pumped we have it. It's really crazy we do. Pretty excited yeah, about it. Uh, a subtle shout out to Trace, uh, Untapped's president, for hooking us up with yes. this one. I couldn't um, believe I don't, it. I don't quite have the connections to grab a blind pig <laughs> and a pliny at will. Thank you for the shared, Trace. Yeah. Um, and drinking this beer, especially looking through Untapped, seeing some of the pictures, I saw a couple of pizzas, and uh, there was a mention in the Facebook group about beer and food pairings. Yes. I'm not going to cover them in detail because I'm not prepared right now, but 
A quick backstory on on my love of IPAs. Initially, I think like most people, I was petrified. You know, wheat beers were a good introduction or wherever you kind of learned your craft beer. Yep. And IPAs were easily becoming the, the you know, every brewery was making one. Uh, there were new ones on the shelf all the time. And I was still kind of afraid of the bitter. I didn't enjoy the right. bitter dryness. Sure, sure. Until one time, and I never got his name. I reference him every time I tell this story. <laughs> but there was a beautiful and brilliant server at a sports bar. Right. And he was telling me about this IPA they got locally is well made. And he said, you're going to love it. And I said, man, they're not really my thing. Right. I'll gladly have a hoe garden. Right. You know, sure. so yeah, pass me a hoe. And he said, listen, I saw you ordered the cheeseburger with extra cheese and right. cheesy cheese and big <laughs> burger. Um, try an IPA. Yeah. And that was my introduction, and it was kind of like trying a red wine with cheese the first time. Right. You, I hadn't gotten to taste it. An IPA with a big, heavy, sure. cheesy yes. burger yes. or pizza is yep. such a beautiful contrast mm-hmm. if, you're able to, if you're able to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I want a pizza so bad. I know, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I should have, I know. That's, yeah, right. Oversight. I know, yeah, so that, that's a great point. The, so when you add hops to beer, you make it more acidic, and there's obviously a point of diminishing returns here. You don't want this thing to be like, you know, lava juice, uh, which it's nothing near, but that is a big reason why I like spicy foods. It cuts through big meaty meals. I love like kielbasa or, you know, like a spicy Italian sausage with an IPA because I know it's going to, you know, the heat is going to be there and then the acidity and the hops are going to kind of cut it down and I'll be able to take another bite and then want to cut that down again. It's kind of like, you know, it's like this, cycle of it's hot and then i get to cool off with the beer and then one another bite because i'm refreshed and then i get to cool that down so i think i love it with spicy foods yeah big old cheeseburgers really can't go wrong just the uh true the true pizza um, sure, yeah. i drink the beer which makes me want to take a bite of food which yep. makes me want to drink the beer that's right. a beautiful cycle right it's right it's the circle of life it's the one that i'm what i'm most interested in <laughs> but sometimes how do you get off that merry-go-round it just you can keep going for days <laughs> true true <laughs> it's a good thing they don't have buffets serving uh cra- craft beer buffets is anybody oh, listening John, no <laughs> what have you done the pandora's box is open oh man yeah, uh, i'll see only, you in two weeks exactly, yeah. only a matter of time oh boy Woo. all right sweet so as harrison and i are gulping this beautiful <laughs> beer down <laughs> Listen, this one went pretty quick out of the glass. I know, right? Oh man, woo! Um, there are, of course, like we were, like we were alluding to, there are more places that you're able to find Russian River today than two years oh, right. ago. Right. Um, so if you are looking for it, uh, obviously check Untap, look for it nearby, and if maybe you're fortunate enough to have travel plans this summer, mm-hmm. uh, the goal is now at least you don't always have to go to California to get it. There's right. certainly more places on the table. Sure. And if you can't find it, you know, there's other beers out there that you can enjoy. Well, recommendations. But- and, and, and I will say to that point, Russian River did just open up recently their second brewery in New Windsor, which is huge. You know, we're just a brew pub pretty much forever. Now they have a big old brewery, and the goal of that I'm, is, is with any opening a larger brewery is, is to be able to produce more beer. So if you're in a market where it shows every once in a while and you've kind of written it off as, I, you know, I just won't get it, or my local bottle shop only ever gets a case and it's gone before I get there, maybe that has changed because they they're making more Blind Pig and Pliny the Elder than ever right now. And I can tell you it's 
great. It is as I remember it. Um, so even different brewery, still fantastic beer. That's a great transition, uh, Harrison, into what's going to be our next beer. Um, <laughs> right along. Also made by Russian River. <laughs> uh, some people refer to it as Pliny. Sure. I will. Sure. Because or this this is great. Or Pliny. And, and I got to talk oh, to. Tell me about this. Right. Yeah. Ron, I got to talk to Vinny about this at. Uh, so, okay. So, I know I'm talking about name dropping like I'm some. Awesome rapper or something. Vinny to hang out on right. his couch together, right, exactly. Playing video All the games, knitting sure. and stuff, yeah, yeah. exactly. Just doing what what adult brewers do. Ooh, there it is. That one was good. Has a little jingle jangle to it. I'll kick that over there. Let me see. It was probably around 2011 Philly Beer Week. There was something called Form of the Beer Gods. They did every year. It was like a ticketed event for industry folks. And I went with a friend of mine who's now the director of Bruin Ops at Cigar City, uh, my buddy Sean. And we went to this event together, and it was Vinny from Ocean River. It was Sam from Dogfish Head. It was, uh, I believe, Ken from, excuse me, um, Sierra Nevada. It was Carol from Stouts Brewing out in uh, Adamstown, PA, and the head brewer from Deschutes. And and it was just those uh, guys and gal up on a stage kind of talking about the state of the beer and the world and all that stuff and, and how it was all intersecting. And this is again, back in like 2011, I think. Um, and yeah. And, and it was just a really, and it was cool. I and mean, you could just, as an audience member, just, we had tons of amazing beer on tap. It's the first and only time I've ever seen the shoots of Biss on draft. And I had a lot of it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, I mean, yes. right. Exactly. I walked in and just went right for that for whatever reason. But yeah, so Vinny was there. And, uh, yes. And that was like one of the questions that someone asked was, is it Pliny? Is it Pliny? And he, like, you know, it was just like, whatever, call it whatever you want. They call it, I think they call it Pliny at the brewery. But it, Pliny the Elder is a, you know, a historical figure that basically has been like, uh, talked about as a hero by his nephew Pliny the Younger, which is where that beer, the other Russian beer, comes from. Uh, as being like a hero during the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, he was like running through the streets rescuing babies. Pliny the Elder was and immortalized as being a scholar and a poet and a hero and a naturalist and whatever you know, a well-rounded commander, sure, army right, commander. Okay, the good, guy wore right, a lot of hats right, a lot of for hats, sure. Sure. So, um. But yeah, no one knows how he said his name because that was there were no there was no podcast back then to be <laughs> capture information. It was people were too busy, you know, battling things and running away from volcanoes. So no one knows. Um, but so he didn't seem to care. Is my point? He wasn't. He kind of laughed it off and was like, "You can go whatever you want. Um, just you know, let's let's raise a pint of it." So my one of few plenty stories. True glory consists of doing what deserves to be written and writing what deserves to be read. Mm. That's Pliny right Ooh, there, there I go. believe. So we don't Wonderful. know how to pronounce his name, but, but his words, said. Right. he lived up to his quotes. <laughs> there we go. So anyway, so yeah, so this this beer um, obviously has a huge cult following behind it. Let's pull up the uh, pull up the stats here. I'd imagine this one has a bit of check-in Ooh, activity. Holy so, yeah, cow. Right, 631,000 plus different check-ins, more than 3,000 this month. Uh, which is awesome. Um, yeah, but so, again, you can say a lot about this beer, but simply put, it, it kind of just changed the beer world, the landscape. It was first brewed in 2000, 
19 wow. years ago. 19 years old. This beer can almost right. drink itself. I right. can't wait oh. for that celebration. <laughs> That'll be fun. I'm sure there's something really cool for that a few years away. So keep put that in your calendar. It's a, a good year to go out to Santa Rosa or New Windsor and uh, enjoy it in person. I'm sure there's something cool for it. But um, yeah, this you know this is a big old hoppy. It's 8%, 100 IBUs. I mean, it's clean as all heck. You can see right through it. Which is which is a, a rare treat in this mm-hmm. day and age, and I, I did make note um, in my preparations here for tonight. Mm. So, Blind oh, Pig God. was rated at seventy IBUs. Right, Pliny's rated at a hundred. And to my palate, Pliny comes off as less bitter. Yeah, and we just had Blind Pig too, so we're, we're not, we don't have. So my palate, palate is tired, not fatigued, yeah. not fatigued, but it's definitely you know it's experiencing that. But it, it, it's it's uh, yeah, but it's, that's part of the rotation right now. But um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely like, um, let me see, how can I describe this well? So it is not an overly bitter beer. It's, I mean, 100 IBUs is a lot, and we can talk on another episode about how you measure IBUs and is it a good measurement and all that stuff. What is it actually telling international bitter news? What, is, what does that mean um, and how accurate is it? But the point is it's got a lot of hops in it. Um, for, uh, Vinny also has been pretty nice about kind of divulging what he puts in, in this beer. So mostly Amarillo, Amarillo, Centennial, CTZ, which is Columbus, Tomahawk, Zeus, and Simcoe. And there's lots of like legend and rumor about this beer. And that same form of the beer gods, a lot of people asked him a lot of questions. Like there was a rumor going around that it was dry hopped 12 different times during, like after fermentation, which... Seems a little excessive, and he, I think he like kind of just smiled and laughed that off as well. Someone asked, someone <laughs> asked him. So he's a man of many secrets, but also I think he really enjoys. He's a very nice guy. And I think he, he enjoys like you know seeing the life that his beers have taken on and the kind of following behind that a lot of them have, um, and and rightfully so because it's just a really so it's a really well made beer. If you're talking about like objective highlights about it, looks great, smells great, tastes great. It's just very clean it's very well made you can see right through it it's you know it's a yeah so it's it's not there's nothing you can't hide and there's nothing to hide behind here all the flavors are there it's very complex um i'm sure as you keep drinking it it'll kind of change a little bit all the flavors are popping up but again getting a lot of fruit that's still that same dry bitterness just grabs you i'm I'm right now ready i'm like thirsty for the next sip i can't put it down i'm (laughs) One of, one of the drawbacks with both of these beers so far is that they definitely there's not enough of them. Right. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I'll I'll never claim to have a palate as well read as Harrison's. I I drink this beer and to me I easily I can tell you that it's fruity yeah. in the beginning. That's the first thing that I can I, I wouldn't pinpoint mm-hmm. a fruit, but it, it hits your it hits your palate initially and it's just a, a really west coast welcome edition and as it trails across the back of my tongue that's yeah. when i find a lot of pine mm-hmm. and bitterness and it 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 makes me want to consume it in mass mm-hmm. it might be the eight percent it might be the blind pig <laughs> talking but <laughs> a little bit of both um, column a, column B. but if there's anything that i i i i think it's well regarded the pliny is is one of the most objectively well-made beers mm-hmm. And what I would impart that I take away from this is that it's incredibly well balanced, right. just like a good meal. You can't have too much cheese on your mashed potatoes without having some pickled <laughs> onions. This beer is very well put together with not too much of anything. Yeah. 
No, and it's again same deal as uh, blind pig, and then you know multiple hop charges all throughout the boil. It's dry hop multiple times. How many times we don't know. I have a, hang, a, a guess that well now probably he's using like hop torpedoes and stuff where it's he's not open up the top of the tank and dumping a bunch of hops, and he's probably sending it through a pressurized hop cylinder that's just got a lot of hops in it. So it's just kind of so it just gets more more of the beer gets in contact with more of the hops. Uh, that's like a, a technique that Sierra Nevada kind of pioneered, hence the torpedo IPA name, but another beer for another day. But, um, so, but I, there, I think there is something to the 12 days. Maybe he does what I would guess and how I would do it is you could easily. So the brewer association recommends that if you're dry hopping something, when you drop the hops in basically at this, if they're in there beyond like 48 hours is the peak where you're getting the most kind of aroma. And that's why you're dry hopping stuff is get aroma out of these hops. You're not getting bitterness out of this, um, but really getting the flavor that nose of the beer. And a lot of the times the, you know, the, the kind of fruity flavors are coming from the dry hops and the, the hops that are at the end of the boil. Um, but probably dropping them in. So 72 hours is when you should pull them out because then it gets really grassy and gross and it can be really vegetative. So you don't want to have a a single dry hop in there for more than a few days, but he could be doing like, you know, dry hopping for three days in a row and then dropping them all out and then driving for three days in a row or something like that and doing that, like, you know, four sets of three. I I don't know. And again, he's done this to different size brew houses, different breweries. Um, the new brewery is probably doing it a little bit differently because it's a bigger system and it's a newer system and I'm sure he made some upgrades. But if this is coming from the newer one, which I believe it is, it's, the I think it's one, what, about a month old in the yeah, bottle or exactly. so at this point. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's whatever he's doing, still great. It still tastes the way that I remember it tasting. And that is impressive alone in that the hops themselves, the names are the same, but, you know, those are organic flowers like every year based on rainfall and all kinds of factors, they're going to, Centennial is going to kind of change from year to year, not just the amount of alpha acids on it, but just the way it tastes. There's going to be a like variation. Um, I'm sure though, because he's been doing this for as long as he has, he probably gets the first pick of the hops he wants and he goes there and smells them himself. I know he does that and picks them, you know, from Yakima Valley, which is pretty close to where they are, or um, which probably get most of his hops. But yeah, and so that is also a testament to be able to find kind of the not just not just get the same hops every year, but go find the hops within the hops, the right one, the right centennial, the right CTZ, the right Simcoe to have it be consistent. It's also difficult. It's another thing that it's another variable that kind of showcases the passion these brewers have. Where you know you can go online and click, well, I'll buy forty pounds of Amarillo, and then it'll show up two days from now. Or you can, if you're able, you know, go out there and. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing, you know. Access obviously is a big part of this, um, but you know the fact that he's doing that, taking the time to do that, it's great because he really cares about this, and it, it shows. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I keep going back to food right now for mm-hmm. some reason, but exactly you're like. <laughs> Like I would hope my uh, my great dinner experience chef began his day picking the best cilantro. I think 
Um, one interesting thing you point out, and I will definitely be in line to try when brewers start doing. I, I know that uh, Omnipolo, another brewery that I, I that I personally am am really a fan of, their Fata Morgana was marketed as a quadruple dry hopped beer, and that thing kicked my butt. Hey yo, great! I was I had to Google Man. to figure out what the word would be for a, for a twelve times dry hopped <laughs> beer, yeah. other than like triple double quad hops. Right, right. Um, I believe it would be pronounced duo decky or duo decim hops, um, which is a, also a really good IPA. <laughs> yeah. Beer name in and of itself. Sure, but man, oh man. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how you'd... Anyway, who knows? True. <laughs> right. It took us four days to finish <laughs> right. dry out. I was going to say, right. It, yeah, it took you like three weeks to do it. And then the beer, you, we should have been, been bottled by that. $74 a can. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's the other thing. I, yeah, my gosh. Talk about just dumping money into a beer. That's a good way to do it for dry hopping. But um, again, it's worth it. It's delicious. It's great. It's not $75 a bottle either, so... No, I'm very grateful that every every time I've gotten lucky enough to experience it, which I think now is three, mm-hmm. uh, Pliny always lives up to its reputation. There's there's been times before where maybe you've like you fawned over getting that uh, that whale of a beer sure. for a year, two, three years, and you finally get your hands on it, and you say, "I'm all right, buddy." Uh, but in this case, I think uh, Pliny does a great job of nailing what your expectations should be for such a well-made uh, yeah, IPA. It really is it's easily the benchmark and a place that, and it's also impressive that so few breweries have managed to make a double or a West Coast IPA, double IPA, you know, everyone to call this. It is, it's just this good. For me, the being older, as we keep talking about, the consistency year over year is that's something that I, I'm aware of because I've been drinking for a while, <laughs> but also because it, it just, again, showcases the care and uh, that these breweries have and definitely yeah, impressed with the consistency of how just good it's uh how good it is. John C was talking 14 minutes ago to his buddy, Jason, who checked it in about an hour ago. This once this, this once this was the elusive nectar. So John nice, C sounds nice, like John. he also has a few stripes on his, his back. Like I do been through a couple of beer safaris. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, happy to be, it's been, it's been a while. This is great. Again, it's so funny how the, uh, they say scent, the scent is this, the strongest sense tied to memory or something. This is just taking me back to so many like, you know, nights in awesome Philadelphia bars. We had our neighborhood bar that would put this on sometimes at like midnight just to like mess with you. And we'd walk home at like, you know, one thirty and pop in for one more pint and Pliny the Elder would be on. We'd be like, well, I guess oh, we're just going to stay here until it's to kick us out. <laughs> I remember that happening more than once. And just kind of and being one thirty in the morning and a younger man thinking I was smart and with a couple of our buddies being like, let's just each get three of them <laughs> so they can sit <laughs> here and we just make sure we have them. Uh, gluttony. Memory lane. It seems it gets longer and longer every year. That's the good part about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, this beer, again, as we've kind of been alluding to, should at least at this point in 2019 be easier to find than it was last year even. Um, if you're looking for Pliny the Younger, so are we. Um, <laughs> but um, that one's a, a, probably the, one of the most elusive beers I think I've ever uh, heard of we won't cover I don't, we're not gonna we're not planning on covering much of the lore of Pliny the Younger so uh, recounting our trip down the Russian River they make really good beer 
It's easier to find now than it was before, but still just as good. And if you disagree or do agree, <laughs> again, if you've ever had it before or you have uh, important things to share, you can always hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, or add me and Harrison as your untapped friends. We'll, Please do, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll gladly toast your check-ins and get jealous of all the beer that you're drinking with I know, with right? Us, I know. Right? That, yeah, that is the right. The fortune. Here we are waving two whales in front of everybody's face, but now every state and small town in the world has beers people want that can't get them so we're all we're all just spoiled it's pretty it's pretty exciting all right so harrison um i I've actually grown quite fond of the Harrison Brewing stories <laughs> that I've gotten to hear since I've known you, but especially during this uh, podcast. So uh, please, the stage is yours. Again, if you're not driving, put your feet up, crack one open yourself. Harrison's going to explain to us some really cool stuff about Norwegian yeast. Yeah. Help let's, me out. Right. Sure. So the so you may have been seeing this at your local brewery or in some of the bigger breweries in the states if you're in norway you may have been seeing this all your life but the kvek k-v-e-i-k yeast is something that's taking american brewers kind of by storm right now very quickly and we're trying to you know, there's always something happening in the beer world some trend brood ipa you know session ipa new england ipa a lot of ipa trends but yeah. also you know, but also like the conan yeast like we talked about in the past and um, you know, using tons of oats in your beer and now wheat's a thing. And so there's always some exciting, different thing happening. Right now, the obsession seems to be with this yeast. So Kvek just means yeast in Norwegian. But what usually when you're referring to it, you're talking about a specific farmhouse yeast. Now, there are like 55 different strains of Kvek. But the, the neat thing about them that they all share is that they ferment very warm so like around like I've seen breweries, I think Stony Creek in Connecticut just uh, brewed one at 93 degrees, fermented one, and fermented one at 93 degrees Holy Fahrenheit, God. which usually is about 60 for an <laughs> ale. Like 63, 65 is good um, for like a, we want to come out clean and not have a bunch of fruity, estery flavors. But then you, so usually if you're talking about just a general ale yeast, uh, ale yeast here, uh, the, uh, you know, the, um, the warmer the temperature, the more kind of you produce different flavors, like estery, fruity flavors, and also like phenolic, like clovey kind of flavors, things like that. And you don't really want a lot, a lot of those in like certain ales, certain like IPAs, pale ales, uh, from the yeast coming through. Not, not sometimes not desirable, but in Belgian beers, great. Bring on the bananas and the pears and yes, all please. that stuff. And that's so traditionally. Um, so usually though, when you ferment a ale yeast and it's warmer, it kicks off fruitier flavors and only really in Belgian beers do you want that. The cool thing about the Quebec yeast is that you can crank it up to 93 degrees. Another benefit of it fermenting warm is it also ferments quicker. So when you have yeast in a warmer climate, their metabolism gets jacked up. They eat more sugar faster. They turn it to alcohol quicker and they um, and CO two faster. They just finish primary fermentation quicker. As a general rule, the warmer the fermentation is, but the kind of cost of that is you're getting estery fruity flavors. The Kavekis is like this enigma where you can ferment it super super warm, and it'll be done 
in primary in like one to two, three days, like very quickly, but it finishes clean. So it's like the best of both worlds. You're done a beer quickly, uh, but it doesn't impart any of those estery flavors. Unlike, and also, so, and is, you're thinking about if you're a commercial brewery, you're obviously you have a production schedule. You have to get X amount of beers out into the market to, you know, keep up with demand. So speed is always important, but of course, so is quality. And so, um, you really can only make beer so quickly and have a quality product. This is kind of like this interesting shortcut. Before the Quebec yeast, there were brewer, a yeast called super yeast or turbo yeast. The Pac-Man yeast or the I think it's San Diego ale yeast is what it's also called. It's like a really famous one. A dogfish had used it in a lot of their really high alcohol beers just to like help eat those sugars. A lot of like traditional ale yeast will basically pass out when they start making more alcohol. They'll <laughs> drink themselves to death. It's a beautiful cartoon. <laughs> right. And they just fall asleep. They don't hurt. No one dies. They just fall asleep and go to the bottom of the fermenter and then get, you know, sent wherever they go next. But, um, but so yeah, so this, so that's like the solution forever was like, okay, we've got a sweet fermentation. Maybe we can use a turbo yeast, but oftentimes that produced a lot of harsh flavors. Again, Quebec, really warm, really clean. So that opens up all kinds of cool, like, you know, cool possibilities now. I can make like a, and it's not just for farmhouse funky beers. You can have a lot of the commercial breweries use what are called Quebec isolates, which is just a single strain that is going to just make a nice clean beer, make it very quickly, and you can use it at a really warm temperature. Um, so again, obvious benefits there, really cool. Now, um, it gets even more interesting. There are, um, Quebec yeast you can buy that are multiple strains in one culture. So instead of it just being one, it's three, four, eight, ten. And so when you repitch it, it kind of mutates. And so, um, which for a commercial brewery might be not great if you're trying to make you know, a pale ale with a Quebec yeast and it needs to taste the same every time because it's supposed to be the same beer, not desirable to have maybe you know certain of those yeast strains start to dominate and then the flavor changes because of that. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a brewery in the States and there are probably plenty of them in Norway that have just using these Quebec yeast that um, that are mutating around and you could use the same hops and malt and water in a beer and use the same yeast you used to brew uh, to ferment the last one. And it could come out totally different because it just changes each time you repitch it, which is so cool. And I'm sure it's only a matter of time. I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with, you know, like the the idea of a smash beer where you're making like a single malt and a single hop beer. You have like a pale ale malt and a, you know, and a centennial. And you can, and then you can switch that up. So you can actually do like, you know, just a Pilsner malt and a Cascade hop. I would love for there to be the same, a brewery do the same Quebec yeast and keep repitching it and maybe just do the same beer or two or three different beers and, Every generation, see how it changes it, keeping all the other ingredients the same. Really, really neat. So not desirable if you're trying to make the same beer every time. But in the age of experimentation that we're clearly in with the beer world, I mean, this just like, at the end of the day, we always used to joke around in the brewery, like we didn't do, we, we all we did was just make, to make food for our yeasty. Like they, they're the ones that made all the beer. It was our job to make them happy. And we played tons of heavy metal music to make sure they were. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, this is really kind of taking that next level of, like, what can you do? What can you, by changing temperatures, by kind of manipulating these guys? Traditionally, yeast is supposed to get to kind of, you, you got to, like, um, generation one, it's been sitting in, like, a laboratory culture forever. It's got to get used to 
being in a beer. And so usually, and, and after that, it's like, oh, cool. I ate beer, I ate wort now. I'm used to this. And then it gets better and better. And we would have 20, 30 different, you know, uh, 30 different um, generations, if you will, of a single yeast um, keep repitching it again and again. And, and it would just get better at doing what it's supposed to do. So that being said, it's super active. You're supposed to underpitch. It means you're not supposed to put a lot in the beer if you're a home brewer. Um, but I just think it's, I just think it's fascinating. I think there's an opportunity there. And I'm sure it's, it'll happen of, you know, really kind of seeing what these multi-strain Kavekis do and kind of how funky they can get and where that takes you. Um, overall, though, you know, talking about temperatures and probably to take another whole episode talking about this, but, um, but yeah, the uh, finding something that's, you know, that ferments well at a high temperature, clean, it's, it, uh, it doesn't exist outside of the Quebec yeast. So really cool that, uh, that it exists. And, and, you know, you can, but it's also not just for, you can use it for IPAs, use it for whatever you want. Um, it's not just like a specific style beer it's limited to. Um, and, and with that being said, other yeasts that work really well, or rather other bugs, are like the, the ones that produce the sour flavors of like Brettanomyces, Lactobacillus, and Pediococcus. Those are also usually fermented warmer. So doing like a mixed culture of all four of those would probably be pretty cool. It's all just begin. I mean, it, it's again, it's so funny. All these yeasts have been around some of them for thousands of years, but keep finding new ways to new things to do with them. So this is one that I've been on my radar. Quebec yeast, if you know, it's not a style; it's a yeast. So it can be, just keep an eye out though for that. Breweries have been good at saying like Quebec IPA, Quebec Kolsch, kind of naming it, uh, putting the yeast in the name, as we're all kind of getting used to it here. But um. But yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty exciting times. Again, maybe this will yeah, who knows? But there's a cool article um, we found online. It was on yeah, October.com talking about a couple of breweries using it for their IPAs and what it did. And um, so check that out. But also just kind of look it up on, on tap. Try to find ones near you. See who's drinking them um, itself or you know nearby because it's coming. It's happening. If you haven't seen it, you're going to see it now. I saw one or two of them, looked it up, and now all I see every day are people checking them in. So it's one of those things where as soon as you know it exists, it's it's everywhere. Um, but yeah, definitely want to have, have my eye on it. It just seems like the best of both worlds, and but it's also just getting started in terms of American brewers adapting it. So pumped. I've never used it myself, but definitely want to get me excited. I think that'd be a great, I, I heard you mention uh, like the yeast eating wort. And I, honestly, uh, one thing that I'd almost request Harrison at some point in the future, maybe we just walk through um, kind of a, how a beer goes from, you know, water yeast, barley and hops into something delicious that comes in a can. Yes. Yeah, sure. That's uh, yeah, absolutely. If there's interest there, I'd love to talk about that. The, and how right, how really we're just making something awesome, and yeast does everything. We're making something awesome for the yeast. The yeast does everything. Really it's good yeast farm. Really good. Really good. Well, just lots of heavy metal. Just that's that's just lots of <laughs> Judas Priest. Just loud, loud Judas Priest. That was our trick. That was it. Now you know. Is that why the Norwegians the are so good at making Well, see, there you go. That's what crazy. Exactly right. Emulates what you right. need. They have hundreds of heavy metal bands just lost in the woods in Norway, wandering around breweries, just rocking <laughs> out. And uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, the benefits are uh, plenty. But could be worth investigating. Definitely uh, would like to learn, go further there. So moving forward, Harrison, I uh, often draw attention to this, but, you know, we've drank two amazing beers tonight, 
And one thing that I never would have thought in my college days, but currently, uh, drinking beer out of the right glassware, not to be yeah. pretentious, not that you have to have a, a different glass for every beer, right? but drinking something out of, uh, out of a, a nicer than your coffee or water glass that mm-hmm. you use just makes, for me, makes the beer feel a little bit more special. Yeah. And, you know, uh, of course... Um, whether it's drinking beer out of the proper glass or making your friends jealous with a really sweet untapped shirt. Ooh. This is usually the perfect time for me to mention that Untapped has its whole online store what? available. You can sort by Christmas gifts for you or <laughs> birthday gifts for you, or you can right. buy gifts for other people. But sure. I don't know the why. Great, I, I would say the great part about that is that if you're a listener to this podcast, Untapped's going to hook you up with a great deal, and Harrison can walk you through that. Yeah, exactly. If you go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 20% off all orders. So that's store.untapped.com, coupon code PODCAST, get 20% off. Uh, so go do it now. Get all your your tank tops and sleeveless things. Well, any T-shirt become a sleeveless T-shirt. But uh, but, two and one, right? Exactly. Two and one. Buy it with the sleeves, (laughs) right? Right. And then convert it for you know summer wear. It's tough to convert it back to more formal wear later, but you know, buy two t-shirts. That's going to be at store.untapped.com. And once you find all the cool stuff you want to get, use the coupon code podcast at the checkout screen, and you'll get twenty percent off. Boom! I love it. We're going to get a little bit social. That's this is good. This is one of the parts, right. if you haven't learned by now, Harrison <laughs> is is really versed when it comes to uh, beer science. Is sure. That, okay. J- jibber jabbering. Uh, jibber jabbering is, is probably the college <laughs> term for it. Oh. <laughs> um, I just want to focus on. I've been I've been trying to keep up with and obviously grow um, our our Facebook group, which which I think carries some of our more active and uh, great fan base. So, oh yeah, Harrison and I both we've seen a lot of people joining the group recently. Um, we're we're starting to. It's always free to join. You know, there's no real uh, qualification. Um, but of course, when you join lately, we want to ask you, uh, to share with us your, your first beer story. Oh yes. Um, if you, if you do other forms of social (laughs) media, throw the hashtag out there, my first beer. Um, that should be our hashtag. Let's make it ours. Let's all share my first beer. Hashtag it. Take over the internet. Right. Tell us about my first beer. We can do it. Or I wish this was my first beer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was really happy to see coming into the group recently over the last month, we've got stories from uh, Jenny Cremail. That's That's a nostalgic bit for me. Uh, a few people that don't remember. Um, that's, that's that's probably, probably a the byproduct. Best. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, ultimately, that's a, a a story that I think could be really fun to share. I haven't seen anybody join the group that has a first beer story centered in craft. It's always right. been sure. kind of a reluctant, disappointing experience, right? Well, you know, um, or nostalgic is right. a fancy sure. way to frame that. Like someone said stealing a sip of my dad's Schlitz or something. Yeah, I was like that sounds great. Right. That right. should be your first right. beer We watched story. Bart Starr win the Super Bowl <laughs> <laughs> together. <laughs> that sounds like a great memory. Uh, you need a beer for those for those sporting <laughs> right. moments. 
Um, a couple of highlights from some of our uh, new joiners in the group. I've, I've seen a few people asking about travel advice. You oh, know, yeah. we're, we're heading up to, uh, there's recently a member in the group asking about, uh, he's going to Portland, Maine. Yes, Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Uh, right. A lot of good Portland beer cities. This one's in the Northeast. Uh, but Portland, Maine, he's heading up there in about a month or so. And he's already, there's already been a couple of members of the group that are more than willing to hand out not just places to go, but you've seen some really good tips come in, you know, make sure you go to Bissell brothers and check their Mm -hmm. can release and that sort of thing. So that's really cool to see. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think Harrison and I both realized that summer is the best time to travel for beer. It almost seems that you you always have a mandatory travel day sometime in the glorious summer months. Um, so uh, I wanted to ask you, Harrison, do you have any personal have – you, have you drank in, in Portland, sure, Maine? Do yeah. you have a favorite spot out right. there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I actually have family up there. I um, did when I was younger. They moved since. But every time we would go up, yeah, we'd um, – I mean, so the obvious one is Allagash, and uh, Rob Todd, one of the founders of Allagash, recently won another, I believe, James Beard Award, which is, you know, um, uh, award given out to kind of through like the food and beverage industry for various different roles, whether, you know, best restaurant, best chef, the regional ones, and he won uh, best brewer or best brewery, I believe, and he's been nominated multiple times, I think won a couple of times too. So, I mean, obviously Allagash, should be a pretty well-known name there. Allagash White is like the American-made Belgian wit, and it sh- as it should be. It's an amazing, deliciously, and again, consistent beer. But go have that, the source. And then they also, they, um, a specific reason to visit them in Maine at the source is they have a lot of beer that does not leave the state of Maine and really doesn't even leave the brewery. A lot of like brewery-only available bottles and with like all local ingredients so if you're again a big, and they have a cool ship there, which is like a old school way of basically open air cooling down. You're using this big old copper, usually pool. You would pour the beer into to cool it down, just by having a larger surface area for the hot wort to contact the air and using just the ambient air temperature to cool down the beer, which is how they used to do it in uh, in Belgium back in the day, and many uh, breweries there still do. But Allagash is one of the few breweries in the states that has a cool ship. Um, so, and then you can go look at it, and see it. That's a if you're a big beer fan, check that out because that's some serious stuff that uh, um, that again comes from being passionate about beer, investing in something like that. So, and then they have a cool cool ship series of beers they made and cooled through the cool ship, and a lot of those don't leave the brewery. So, for me, that's always on the list. It's one of those breweries that always has something new, um, has an amazing barrel age program. So. Um, you're always going to find something new there. Bissell Brothers, like you mentioned, obviously Lone Pine Brewing doing some cool stuff there. Um, Portland is like one of those cool towns, a lot of goofy shops and uh, interesting restaurants and stuff. I mean, also tons of seafood. So um, Lobster rolls. That exactly. One of find the first yourself, things that came to my right, mind. I was going to say the High Roller Lobster Co. Go there and grab yeah, Those some, guys have a good beer menu right, as well. Exactly. Go there, grab some beer, uh, grab some lobster rolls. Gritty McDuff's I enjoy. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. Um, it's been a hot minute. But, oh, and then, of course, uh, Oxbow has a place there, too, for blending and bottling. And they're, again, amazing. A uh, lot of uh, open fermentation or wild fermented stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's a few. 
keep an eye out though on the the, uh, the Facebook group because we'll keep adding to it. Just more, I'm sure. We'll, as soon as this podcast ends, I'm sure I'll remember ten other places as his life. True. And I'll make sure to add him there. Um, you can always use, you know, you pull up Untapped when you get to a new place or before you get to a new place and check out. Um, at a very minimum, look for the verified locations on there. They should be providing you with an up-to-date beer menu, or some of them will even put upcoming events. You'll see releases on there. Um, a cool story about Allagash without going too far off the beaten path. I almost got fired once <laughs> from my job as a beer buyer because of a keg of Allagash Curio. There's a lot of untapped activity in that city. Yep, great, it's awesome. Uh, great beer city. And every time I look into it, I'm always jealous because I can't yeah. get my hands on anything. I know, but that story tap room is like an international trending location almost every day. So they're they're cl- clearly putting on an impressive show. Great, uh, great group um, uh, on Facebook. Always kind of posting new updates, of course. Um, one, uh, one other post that I saw, I'm not going to dive into, <laughs> is it too early for pumpkin beers? I mean, uh, yeah, well, you know, I mean, um, it, we'll probably, we'll probably we end up covering pumpkin beers yes. on this podcast a little bit later on. Yep. It's, it's maybe too early for me and Harrison to cover them. Right. It's coming. It, it is going to happen. <laughs> You're going to hear some, some pretty stories. cool stories. Yeah. Right. About some serious heavy metal pumpkins. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. It'll be good. Uh, yeast food, right? right exactly. oh, it's all yams or pumpkins. That's it right. Matter. I'm a yam man. I'm all about it. But it's yeah, too early to talk about it now for sure. But we'll get there. And we're excited to do just that. Um, and, of course, you know, feel free to share your stories with us. Um, we try and be as active on there as we can. Um, and it really helps, you know, to kind of hear what type of content uh, feedback you guys have um, or are looking for. Um, and, and, again, please feel free. Join the Facebook group. It's called Drinking Socially. Um, and that's what it's all about, really. Even though you're getting beers that I can't get and I'm jealous of that inherently, it's still it's good to share. Um, and one day the goal is that we'll be able to have a pint with everyone. Right. That will be right. awesome. <laughs> that's that's right. a big goal. We won't get there yet. <laughs> right. Let's slow down. Right. Exactly. But, but a great goal to have. I agree. So uh, rounding out, uh, getting towards the finish line for you guys here, we're going to catch up on uh, just some, you know, we know that Tim and Kyle were really good and and prepared and they would always cover some, (laughs) uh, you know, trending beer articles, beer news, things that were going on in the industry. And that's something Harrison and I are really passionate about as well. Um, the goal for us is to kind of, you know, paraphrase this into information, which is in, in, in using the word paraphrase, it's almost always going to be incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. you're going to be getting the, uh, the thoughts and ideas straight from our head. But, uh, I know Harrison was, uh, actually talking to me about, uh, this, this next coming segment and I'm really excited yeah. to hear what he thinks about it. Sure. Yeah. So the first article we'll take a look at is, uh, one that was, uh, that Paste Magazine did and Paste has been awesome. Um, that, you know, they're, if you've probably seen them on your social media feeds, they do a lot of reviews of the like, blind taste tests of like IPAs, double IPAs, Imperial Stouts, bourbon barrel aged beers. They put a lot of them out every year and with the goal of kind of just having a, impartial or somewhat kind of impartial look at uh, just blind taste testing a bunch of beers and and uh, rating them and kind of seeing who comes up at the top so that's always fun to read those because they have a lot of amazing beer 
Um, and a pretty good approach to it where the blind taste test is great. It really just lets the beer talk for itself. Um, so they wrote an article uh, called New England IPA's Quest for Juicy has led us towards increasingly undergo beer and hop burn is the culprit. And uh, basically um, what the kind of the article is uh, is getting to, and Jim Verl wrote this uh, for Pace, but he um, uh, basically, you know, that these a lot of these new IPAs in a quest to kind of one up each other and each brewery having the juicier version of this or that is just putting so much hop vegetation in these beers because again they're added later in the boil or just in the dry hops they're not breaking down they're just sometimes sitting there very long it just got a burning out your taste buds and like I mentioned adding hops to beer it does make it more acidic so you do get to a point of uh, you know, kind of loophole and overload where um, your uh, your taste buds just can't handle it. And so that's what he's kind of talking about. It's like, are we there yet? And um, it, you know, what is the danger of these beers and this kind of uh, one-upmanship? And where when does it end? And like I said in the beginning, we were talking about Blind Pig. I think it is, you know, all, all these, so many systems in the world kind of course correct, whether it's the stock market or, Predator prey cycles out in the wild. You you know, there's there's an <laughs> ebb and flow to the universe that um, if you just let it be, will kind of ebb and flow. So I think that's the case here as, as well. What I mean by that is, you know, it indeed, if the, I mean, I have had some New England IPAs where it just tastes like you're chewing on, you know, a bag of sand. There's just so much part, particulate matter in there, and it's just like it's close a to thick, a meal. Right. It's like it's a big, it's a heavy, you pick the glass up, and it feels like, I could pour this in the ground and it would harden to cement in, you know, 45 minutes. So it's, you know, I've had big beers that are just dense and full of all kinds of material and look like, you know, like fresh squeezed orange juice. I've had some that have been great and some that have been really, really intense and and not maybe not as enjoyable um, as it could be if maybe they had, you know, less. I know for a while it was like how many pounds of hop per barrel is in this beer. And that was like the measurements people would use of like a hundred pounds of peaches and a hundred pounds of hops per barrel, which isn't, that's insane. That's I, re- a, I remember so, telling that to so people. Much. That's not, 50 pounds right, of hop or like. Exactly. Right. right. What are you just raking it into bags and throwing it in there? Like, how do you, I don't even, what do you, how do you clean that tank? You don't, you just throw it away. You just, you make <laughs> one beer in it and then you throw away a $50,000 tank. Um, so, um, so it's a curious question. You know, for me, I don't, I mean, Newland IPAs are not a fad. That style is always going to exist. But like most things, you know, learning, you kind of have to, someone can tell you the stove is hot, but really until you put your hand on it, you don't know what that means. And learning by experience. And if if these lines get shorter at these really, you know, well-known breweries that are doing crazy beers and people are actually burning out on them, then they'll adjust their businesses. Um, but you know, uh, and maybe I think it's been interesting though, to see this specific style IPA, which obviously has, you know, hop heads and so much a following behind it itself. The kind of attempts at this course correction, there've been a few like session IPAs, which are still around, but we still have double IPAs and really big juicy IPAs, brute IPA, which is like, kind of like the champagne, sparkly antithesis of the IPA. Those kind of, for the most part, kind of came and went. I haven't seen many of them recently. A new one I paid keeps on chugging forward. So eventually it'll correct itself. Um, but he does bring up a good point that, yes, like there are times where 
maybe you didn't need to do that fifth dry hop. Maybe it just didn't. You'd hit the point of diminishing returns and you could just walk away. Um, and I think that's something everybody will figure out. And each market may be different. And there may be five years from now, only you know a handful of breweries still doing that. And maybe the people that love those beers will go find them. But it is, um, it is interesting. I think it's great that they shine some light on it. Um, and also kind of, you know, he makes the point there that you know, the, the style itself is a great style when done right. It's this lovely, juicy beer uh, that we all enjoy. Um, but when, you know, how do you, what are your parameters there? Because really there haven't been any for a while. And um, this, you know, the kind of hopping more and one more dry hop. And as these hops get crazier and crazier too, you know, and that have more, um, uh, just are more flavorful and more potent and more intense, uh, you know, how do you adjust to that? So um, it's a cool article. I'd go check it out on Pace. But, uh, you know, I totally hear what he's saying. And I'm curious to see, you know, really what the what the market does and if the demand stays consistent, if things level off, if you, you know, the quadruple IPA is disappear and the dry hop, quadruple dry hop and just double dry hops is our kind of happy zone. Um, only time will tell. But uh, right now I'm still having way more good New England IPAs than I am ones that uh, kind of taste like a bag of, freshly cut wet grass. <laughs> so I don't think the alarm is to be rung yet, but it is something that, uh, that uh, you know, it, it should be talked about. It's, it's curious. It, it definitely, um, uh, definitely got me thinking. And it's something I've, I thought I've had before on occasion, but again, I'm only drinking beer most of the time. There's IPAs are local, so I don't, I'm not experiencing what's happening in California all the time or Portland or Oregon or... Michigan, but it seems from his experience that uh, it's kind of all over the place. That everyone's trying to just make that juiciest, hoppiest, newlandest beer ever. Um, and maybe we already have. Maybe it's like vinyl records. Maybe it already happened. Maybe the best form of music already happened, John. Yeah. It doesn't good for your car. You don't want to be bringing that guy that's walking around with the with the vinyl player in your passenger seat. But at home, maybe we that maybe we maxed out a little while ago at the best kind of newland IPA. And we're not, right now we're just in the eight track mode where we're just looking for that next thing, but nope, it's the next thing isn't the next thing. I really prefer telling <laughs> or asking Google to play me a song. Yeah, I, sure. I, I have vinyls at home, but it's for entertaining. I, I, I think you, you'll get to a point, I think, where you can push the boundary too far, and at this, at this rate, the customers almost control uh, what a brewery is right. making as sure. much as the brewer, yes. it seems. That's exactly right. That's what I mean. Um, yeah, so until that demand goes away, it'll keep, uh, I, I doubt the landscape will change very much, but again, maybe these, maybe the Quebec yeast is the solution. Maybe it does more fun things to those hops or you don't need as much to get as much juice out of it. Something will happen. It's probably not even thinking about it. It'll probably be something out of left field. It'll be very interesting to see. Uh, but for now, again, great point. I totally, I have experienced everything he did in that article. Um, I'm just, yeah, curious to see what happens, uh, that was next as well. But all right, John, you got something for us as well on a, on a different note. Yeah, very different note. I think I'm I'm I've geared up to kind of speak about how the industry is changing. Yes. Um, and so the the premise of, of my synopsis here is kind of <laughs> low calorie beers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, any of you that are above 30 years old, 
will this is a bonus beer um first one first bonus beer any of you that are above 30 years old will probably recognize or appreciate something like founders all day oh man i had a lot of this past weekend i forgot to mention that it was like kind of the beer that became the go-to it was perfect weekend for it hot as heck it's i mean so founders has been making that beer since 2012 it readily consumes about 60% of their output yeah. goes to founders all day. And honestly, I think most people, maybe I'm, I'm making an assumption, I could be wrong, but a lot of people think founders, Breakfast Out, uh, KBS is great, CBS, great oh, beers. Amazing beer. Um, the difference mathematically, one of the differences is that Breakfast Out's about 250 calories a pint and all days almost half that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... While I remember years ago, maybe I was younger, maybe the trends and the atmosphere were different, uh, I didn't care. It was a 9% IPA. I was going to drink as many as I needed to, right. and I was going to have a great time of it. Right. <laughs> and now, Harrison and I are cracking mm. open a beer from Southern Tier Brewing, yeah. out of originally out of Lakewood, New yeah, York, exactly. uh, right down the street from where I grew up. It's called Swipe Light. Um so hey, not only is it a play at the younger crowd, I would assume, with a <laughs> with a Tinder vibe, sure. but it's, it's marketed ah, <laughs> as 110 calories, and it comes in a can that more resembles Red Bull than a beer. Yes. Um, it's 4% alcohol by volume. Let's have a quick taste here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Doesn't, doesn't really pack the same punch that Pliny does, Certainly as would not. be expected. Right. At half the ABV, um, but as I get older, again, I'm looking for a beer that I can have two of after work without carrying the regret of eating a Big Mac's worth of calories. Right, exactly. Uh, something I can crush while I'm mowing the lawn, or God forbid, if I ever get out to the beach for a weekend. <laughs> right, enjoy yourself. I can drink eight of these things. <laughs> well, maybe not eight responsibly, right. but I can actually consume eight. <laughs> so, right, um, it's a small can. Kind of part of, I think, part of a trend that began, I'll, I'll credit this to Sam from Dogfish Head. I, I think a lot of things can be credited to him yeah. in the beer world. The Worldwide Stout's one of my favorite beers oh, ever. A great shower beer. Uh, yeah. It turns into a bath beer real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, about, it was about three years ago, I think it was in 2016, that Dogfish Head had released their Sequench beer. Um, which wasn't really marketed as a calorie low or diet beer. Um, but Sam made a post on the blog talking about how he had goals to lose weight or gain less weight than he was. And, right. Um, essentially, Sequench helped do that by just being a lower calorie beer. And there were some scientific moves, right? They were using different... Um, different methods to get the remaining sugar, the residual sugar, mm-hmm. out of the beer. Um, one of these methods has been really popularized by brew IPAs, uh, which were a delicious trend a year ago. I haven't seen as much of them as I'd like, but um, there's uh, an ingredient. It's uh, officially not an ingredient in beer. It's an enzyme, I suppose, but um, it's pronounced amyloglucosidase and you will have a hard time googling that one <laughs> um as i had It'll a hard time notes. spelling right. it let me in the notes amyloglucosidase is an enzyme and essentially it's just a little bit more active um it ferments nearly all the sugar leaving a really dry finish and again this was 
brought about and popularized recently in brute IPAs. And then we've seen other breweries start to use that and develop further methods to produce lower calorie beers. So what's yeah. that say? Yeah. Inherently, mm-hmm. somebody wants a lower calorie beer. Sure. Um, it's somewhere just above 50% of the 20 to 40 year old drinking crowd mm-hmm. that has said in 2019 they want to consume less calories, right. consume less alcohol. Right. So as a craft brewery, you should have you, you should adapt to this. And we've already seen some of the bigger ones. Uh, Sam Adams and Dogfish Head sure. combined in you know, Sequench is still available. Sam Adams with their marathon beer. Right. You saw Sierra Nevada uh, actually start to work with Sufferfest Brewery. Oh, yeah, that's who's right. a, 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 like a, a, a fitness branded brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're definitely seeing breweries respond to this. The Hardywood guys, who were the second brewery ever in Richmond, right. uh, have actually created a whole new brand for a, kind of a fitness conscious beer. Mm hmm. And now certainly this is just as trendy as anything else in the beer world, right. but with some of the heavyweights getting behind it, uh, I'm led to believe that this sort of uh, calorie conscious beer might be something that, you know, you're able to go grab a six pack mm-hmm. and consume as many calories as you would from a big New England IPA. The taste right. will be different, but it still allows you the freedom right. to drink a beer on a Tuesday. Right, right. Yeah. Um, it's really all I want. So I don't I, I don't have any predictions in how this will work. I'll tell you that I'm drinking this swipe light, and I will drink another one without much worry. Not tonight, um, but in the future, I could see these being becoming an easy go to, um, yeah. just like the bubblies and the Lacroix of the world. Sure, you know something that you can it's drink easy, without easy drinking, and that the the sequential really, as far as I could tell, and I remember listening to Sam talk about it. I think it was a year ago really like quickly became one of their best sellers or not their best seller, like out of nowhere. Like it was new and then it was like everywhere. And really, and it was tough being talked about in like men's fitness magazine and all these articles grabbing, grabbing, just kind of gravitating towards it because like you said, it's a kind of lower calorie alternative that's got tons of flavor. That beer is delicious. Um, and that's, yeah, I mean like, right, that's the appeal of right all day that you can, all the IPA that you can have a couple of them. And it's nice to see that there's <laughs> well a, named right there. Exactly. And it's nice to see that it's, that it's not just yeah pale ales or IPAs. It's the sequential is like a combo of what, like a Berliner and a Kolsch or something with uh, like what's it got uh, black limes and sea salt yep. in it. There's, there's right. Some, they there's blend it, like blend the beer, weird ingredients in there that you right. might read at a fancy salad on right. uh, at the restaurant right. you go to in Portland, though. Maine. Yep. Um, there's, there's some interesting, I think just like Harrison was alluding to with the Quebec yeast and trends in the beer world, I think there's, there's, we're so fortunate now that we're at a time where you can have breweries, not just say, I want to make a calorie conscious beer, but I want to make one that still tastes good. Right. Um, the final bit of, uh, internet hard to um, do. research that I'm really excited to share <laughs> because nothing is new anymore. Right. So this is great. Amylo glucosa day. This is the last time I'm ever going to say that. Mm. This enzyme uh, was widely celebrated for brewed IPAs. They were about a quarter less calories than a typical New England, but still brought a lot of that fruity punch. And this was exciting a year ago, and obviously we've elaborated on it now. Right. Um, 
Amyl, oh, son of a gun, I'm saying it again. <laughs> yeah, I knew you would. Amyloglucosidase was one of the original ingredients in diet beer. Hmm. Um, sometime in the late 60s, developed by a brewer at Rheingold. Um, so nobody knows what diet beer is, right. but eventually that recipe got transferred over to Miller, who turned it into Miller Lite with a much better marketing campaign. Right, and, diet and you beer. can still find Miller Lite <laughs> on just about Everywhere. every shelf in the in the country. <laughs> Everywhere, um, it's incredibly popular, and it owes some of that to the enzyme that we've already mentioned too many times. Yep. We, won't, we won't say it again, <laughs> but I think it's really clever to see that uh, already some of history is repeating itself just in the short cycle of about fifty or sixty years. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's all about cycles, John. Put it to pray cycle. Good. Yeah, great. Perfect. All right. Yeah, awesome. We know what's coming because we've already seen it. <laughs> all right, like Bigfoot. All right. Well, no, but okay. <laughs> all right, perfect. So that story for another time. So as always, the show notes will be available on the podcast at ontap.com. If you have any questions or feedback, please share it with us. You connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are at Drinking Social on Instagram. We're at Untapped Podcast Twitter. Or on Facebook, you just go to Facebook.com backslash Drinking Social. Other than that, we'll see you guys in two weeks. And cheers. cheers.